And welcome back to America Can We Talk. I want to say, as I said many times, I love the music for this show. That's Krista Branch, and she's singing, you know, I Am America. This is exactly what this show is. And I will remind you why I do this show. It's always to speak up for the unique, extraordinary, exceptional nature that is America. It's a great week to be celebrating that, uh, Independence Day. The whole week we should be celebrating and contemplating what independence means, what liberty means to you. And so um, in the second hour of America Can We Talk, I have joining me in studio, Lathan Watts. And I will tell he's uh, here in studio, which I so appreciate. Um, he's an attorney. Uh, he's with First Liberty, which is a premier national organization that defends religious liberty cases, represents people in religious liberty challenges. Um, he is actually their director of community relations um, at First Liberty, but he's uh, also been following the Supreme Court and uh, more closely than I certainly do. And so I want to start with, first of all, welcome. Thanks for coming Thank in. Thank you for having me. Okay, I want to ask you, so this week was pretty big news. Justice Kennedy, Anthony Kennedy, announced his retirement from the Supreme Court, and just almost every news story ever about him says... Swing vote justice. So is, is there more to it? I mean, can you kind of lay out where is he, like, is, is there some li- rhyme or reason to his um, eccentricity? You know, it's always interesting when you start analyzing any Supreme Court justice. Um, I would go back to a quote that, um, of Kennedy's where he described himself in addressing that swing vote tag that he's been uh, given, with, uh, given for many years. Uh, he said, uh, cases swing. I don't. So he obviously <laughs> never thought of himself as a swing vote. Um, I think um, probably t- two things that he will uh, most likely be re- remembered for for the many years that he was on the court would be uh, First Amendment, free speech, uh, defender, and then obviously with the uh, Obergefell decision. Uh, Which was about? Uh, discovering a fundamental right to marriage and uh, imposing gay marriage on all 50 states, Um, which I think if you look at the the decision, the opinion that he authored in the Masterpiece Cake Shop case, you see him trying to thread the needle between those two issues because that case really sort of put um, speech up against uh, the uh, the gay rights legacy uh, that I think he is very sensitive to protecting. I think that's why he wrote that opinion as narrowly as he did. Yeah, the Masterpiece Cake Shop was the one, if you, I'm sure you all listeners remember this case, but involved a gentleman who owned a bakery in Colorado somewhere and basically uh, opened his shop to anyone, welcomed anyone in the shop, sold whoever came in the door, could buy whatever they wanted, but he declined to bake a wedding cake for a same-sex wedding based on his Christian values, which he said is inconsistent with his Christian beliefs, to uh, participate in that way, uh, to ex- make it is an expression of his speech to make a, a special cake for that wedding. So, so you're saying then our retiring justice is trying to defend an LGBT newly discovered fundamental right, and at the same time balance free speech. Are there other things he's kind of known for, Justice? I think those Kennedy? are the probably the the two biggest. I mean, well, three if you include just the, the swing vote title. Um, uh, he because he was, you know on many, many 5-4 decisions. Um, I think those two areas are probably what he will be uh, most remembered for. So it's interesting. The one reason the left is so concerned, the American left is so concerned, and the Democrats in the Senate is that they kind of, you kind of maybe also hoped in many cases, maybe you would get uh, 
one or other of the conservative uh, side to move over. And as I mentioned, a case involving Justice Scalia, I think the principal conservative is going to come out with answers that the common Joe wouldn't necessarily always agree with as a policy matter. Um, but what they're, I think what the Democrats are concerned about is they don't want a constitutional conservative because that's, that's a person who's not going to find new rights that aren't written in the Constitution. And th- those those terms, conservative and liberal, can get a little confusing when you're talking about uh, Supreme Court justices and judges in, in general. I think probably the more informative um, term would be a um, a textualist or an originalist versus someone who views the, the Constitution as a living document. And you, know, you mentioned Scalia in the flag burning case. You know, one of my favorite Scalia quotes is that uh, you know, any judge that agrees with every decision he arrives at is a bad judge. Uh, any judge who agrees with his own decisions, you're saying? <laughs> with, with every decision that he arrives at is, That's good. is doing a bad job. That's good. Well, I just think, you know, I, I just think it's a, a tremendous opportunity, and there will be, of course, um, many people who are um, um, trying to agitate for the Republicans to, to get a nominee in. I'll tell you the other little political, and then we're going to turn, in the next thing, we're going to turn to talking a bunch of really important cases that were decided. This is last week, but I think that the... Um, what people are going to be focusing on, in fact, what the Democrats are concerned about is a justice who might be open to overturning Roe versus Wade. That was one thing that the Democrats were talking about is, is there really, uh, would someone dare overturn such a precedent as that? And and, and that being kind of a litmus test on the left, and, and maybe they would argue this litmus test on the right, you want someone open to overturning it. But the concept of overturning past decisions is part of the job as a Supreme Court justice. I mean, it's uh, we have like 30 seconds here, but, I mean, shouldn't a justice be able to, even widely reported or long-held cases, you're supposed to be able to, re- to reverse them? If you think that a decision was a bad decision, you shouldn't uphold it just because it's been on the books for many, 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 many years. But the, the Roe v. Wade decision and it being overturned is the uh, the boogeyman that the left brings up every time there's a judicial nomination to consider. Absolutely true. I'm Debbie George Addis. I'm here with Lathan Watts and America Can We Talk. Come right back. If there's one thing the conservative movement needs, it's a leader. And we have one, the Heritage Foundation. Hi, I'm Debbie George Addis. Heritage gets in the trenches on Capitol Hill. They promote principled solutions directly to lawmakers in Washington. And unlike politicians, they don't waver or compromise. But they're not a Washington institution. There are nearly a half million Heritage members and supporters in America. And they're on a mission to grow that number and build the conservative base. You can become a Heritage member by going to joinheritage.org today. I've been a member of Heritage myself for years. I have Heritage experts on my show, and I rely on their analysis to get the facts out. As a member, you'll get updates from Heritage Foundation on the fight for conservative solutions to America's challenges. Plus, you'll receive exclusive invitations to conservative events where you live. So join the growing movement. Find out more at joinheritage.org. That's joinheritage.org. 
America is greatly blessed by the men and women serving in our military who are defending us every day, making our freedom possible. Military families also serve, and they face hardships while dads and moms are far from home. Military families endure frequent moves around the country and overseas, requiring them to adjust to new schools and make new friends over and over. They also face anguish while their soldiers deployed overseas, often in harm's way. The Army Scholarship Foundation offers one way to help military families by providing academic scholarships to children and spouses of soldiers. And you can help. Visit ArmyScholarshipFoundation.org and consider making a tax-deductible donation to help a military family member pursue his or her educational dreams. Assisting military family members with their college education is a great way for all of us at home to say thank you to our military families for your service and sacrifice. Visit ArmyScholarshipFoundation.org and get involved today. If you want to get at the issues that really matter for women and men, go to IWF.org. That's the Independent Women's Forum. IWF is all about increasing the number of American women who value free markets and personal liberty. IWF's motto is all issues are women's issues. They bring a fact-based approach to politics, policy, and culture. When the left tried to peddle a phony war on women, IWF shot back with facts and figures. American women aren't victims in need of ever-increasing government protection. And IWF doesn't think things are perfect, but they believe that individual liberty is the key to prosperity and fulfillment. Along with their sister organization, Independent Women's Voice, IWVoice.org, which is a leader in the fight against Obamacare, they offer policy papers, op-eds, and a popular blog on issues of the day. So visit IWF at IWF.org. That's IWF.org. America faces unprecedented threats to our national security. The Center for Security Policy, based in Washington, D.C., is a national leader focused on the organization, management, and direction of public policy coalitions to promote U.S. national security. The Center is a special forces in the war of ideas dedicated to identifying opportunities and challenges likely to affect American security and acting promptly to ensure that they are the subject of focused national examination and effective action. The Center enlists support from executive branch officials, key legislators, and other public policy organizations and brings these teams together to develop and shape policies that will keep America safe. Check out centerforsecuritypolicy.org for the latest news and developments brought to you by America's leading security experts. Becoming and remaining informed is one of the best ways every citizen can be a part of the mission to keep America safe. That's centerforsecuritypolicy.org. And welcome back to America Can We Talk. If you're watching Facebook Live, I'll tell you a little secret, which is we pre-recorded this show uh, a few days before July 4th. And so we've, we're leaving it on the breaks. We look a little bit out of our normal um, normal uh, studio setup. But anyway, glad you're here. To, and I want to talk about these uh, Supreme Court cases that happened this past week. They were just huge. And I'm very grateful to have in studio Lathan Watts. Uh, who is an attorney, and he's also with First Liberty, an organization that spends a lot of time thinking through what our liberties really are supposed to mean, and and what they, you know, what we as a country should expect from the courts in in protecting uh, people's expression of their um, of their uh, liberties. So I want to start with there was a case that uh, came out of the Supreme Court this week. I don't even like calling it the travel ban. That's not what it is. 
It is the Protect Americans uh, executive order uh, by President Trump with respect to refugees. It's Protect America order. But the thing that was compelling, and maybe I should just let you take off on it, but this is 5-4 decision, and it's in the context of a federal law that says as as clearly as I'm saying this to you, it says the president has absolute authority to shape visa to make, issue executive orders, proclamations to deal with refugees and visas. There are no exceptions or qualifiers in the federal law. And yet three times, three executive orders, President Trump um, issued and lower courts in this one I'm talking about making law instead of enforcing the law. Federal courts found somehow he wasn't entitled to do that. So I was curious, first of all, I'm sure you look at that decision. What was your take on that? Did the, did the dissent have anything reasonable to argue? Not in my opinion, no. Um, I think uh, Justice Thomas's uh, concurrence in uh, Trump v. Hawaii is uh, very prescient in that he he makes the you know, a very uh, short uh, discussion of, yes, he has the authority to do this, and then concurrence goes on the rest of his concurrence is really about the danger in these lower district courts issuing nationwide injunctions that apply to the entire country even though you're in one little federal district court somewhere and i think uh the point that he's making is if if congress doesn't do something to limit those uh, uh, nationwide injunctions by these district court judges you're going to see cases more cases like this coming up to the supreme court I love that Justice Thomas did that. I just love that guy. And I want to be really clear for our listeners, because if you're not a um, wonky type, maybe you don't follow these things so closely, but at the federal level, you know, there are, every state has a system of state courts. Federal level, you have district courts, which are trial courts all over the country. Every state has district courts, trial courts. Above that, so that you have an appeal from a trial court at the federal level, you have the circuit courts of appeal. They are circuit court opinions. And then from there, you go to the Supreme Court. What Lathan is saying was Justice Thomas spent so much time in this decision pointing out was, was the idea that if you are a plaintiff and you want to bring a lawsuit arguing about the travel ban, if you bring the lawsuit in a district court, in, in, in this one, I, I forget where they were, California, Hawaii was Hawaii. a big one, Hawaii, yeah, where, the, where you go to that, that judge and say, I think that this is unconstitutional, this, this refugee ban, and the judge, the trial court judge says, yes, I'm going to issue a nationwide injunction, meaning I'm going to tell the whole country that this is what the law is. He's really taking, he's interfering with the ability of other district court judges in other states. But it's also, the, the question is, either, did they even have the authority to do that? Right. And that's what Thomas is pointing out and um, kind of not so subtly suggesting that Congress needs to fix this. Uh, because you can forum shop, just like you were alluding to. You find a, a federal district court judge. Every, you know, it's pretty easy to find out who appointed that that judge and get a, a decent idea of how that judge thinks on things. You go to that judge; he gives you a, an injunction and applies it to the entire country. When really he's supposed to rule on matters in his district. And then there's also the uh, issue, of course, of the um, circuit courts of appeal, uh, and so. The Ninth Circuit has a little bit of a reputation. <laughs> I mean, the Ninth Circuit is, is it the most frequently reversed? It is, uh, although I would say the, the Fourth Circuit is trying to give them a run for their money here recently. But, yes, the Ninth Circuit is the most overturned. Um, it's 
frequently referred to as the Ninth Circus in, in certain circles. Yeah. So if you're a plaintiff or you're, you're a, not, it's beyond just the, an individual plaintiff. If you are the, uh, you're an advocate, you're a, you know, you're a lefty and you want to just shut down President Trump, you're going to bring your challenge to whatever he does to a district court that rules in your favor and ends up at the Ninth Circuit. And just so you know, there's a, there's a timeline on these uh, things that President Trump issued, these travel orders, the Protect America travel orders. Starting in January 2017 was his first one. Um, that was a subject of a nationwide restraining order from a Seattle judge. Then there was another one, March 6th, revised travel ban, uh, nationwide order uh, in March by a Hawaii judge. And, you know, what's hard for people, I think, to believe, and, and maybe you don't see it this way, but people think somehow if you're smart enough to go to law school, you know, pass a bar, become a lawyer, be be reputable enough to be appointed as a district justice, district judge in the federal level, or a appellate court judge, surely you will just apply the law. You wouldn't think of uh, bringing politics into this. But it seems like in some of these cases, that's what's happening. Does it seem that way to you? It gets back to the, uh, the question of judicial ph- philosophy that we discussed a little bit earlier. If you are a textualist or a, an originalist, some, some people use that term, then that's how you see your job as, as a, a judge, is to call balls and strikes, basically, like an umpire in, in baseball, based on what the Constitution says or what the law says that you're evaluating. If you see the role of a, of a judge is to continually interpret the Constitution in light of new facts or how the culture has evolved, if you see the document as should always be a living document, then you are more likely to to end up making policy from the bench. The other big thing about this case, I mean, and to be really clear, there's federal law on point irrefutably saying that this that the president had the authority to pass these travel bans. And this is like we spent, how, I don't know how much in tax dollars arguing and, and paying judges or lawyers for the Justice Department to argue this, to get to this ruling but the other big aspect of this that, that was, uh, I, I think, is really bears attention was many of the Supreme Court of the uh, federal district court and appellate court rulings were talking about, but this this ban constituting an illegal uh, discrimination based on religion against Muslims because the countries where the travel ban was in place were most were Muslim majority. But that raises the question: Does a non-American citizen? have a constitutional right in America of, of, to, of protection against religious discrimination. Right. And, and the, the court really didn't clearly address that in, in Trump v. Hawaii. Uh, they, they sort of stuck to the fact that he has the statutory authority to do this. Um, the Roberts court and the, the court in general uh, is, is known for, you know, a narrow, a narrow uh, decision. Uh, and, and that's, that's why I don't think that they went beyond and got into the, the larger question that you're raising. Yeah. I mean, and it is it is a very valid point that is, is often made. And, and, you know, they teach you this in law school. You know, you don't, the, the any court, but certainly the Supreme Court, if you don't have to get to a question, if you can solve a case on a simple issue, you don't get to the, the next issue because you don't need to. And some future case may present that. And then you, you can address the issue at that time. But the concept, to me, the concept of federal judges arguing that a, an order is not permissible because it constitutes discrimination against a religion. I, I mean, to be really clear, the Constitution 
provide does provide freedoms and guarantees of freedoms, especially against religious discrimination, but to American citizens. The Constitution does not apply in India, England, any other place you can think of, all the countries that were subject to the travel ban. And the idea that we're going to start, to me, entertaining the idea of assessing an order based on the religious freedom rights of the people who aren't American citizens, you end up, I mean, you just open a, an entire new world of, of bases to object to the president's order. It's a slippery slope and a dangerous precedent, uh, for sure. Okay. This is, he's a nicer guy than I am. Okay, I'm not that nice about this. I think it is outrageous, and I think the only reason these justices even dared to go there is because they wanted to signal their political correctness, their um, their sympathy for the um, what they view as the unfair discrimination, um, but um, by the um, by the Trump administration against people from other con- uh, countries of Muslim majority. Okay, we, we're going to have to go off to a break in a second, but we're going to. I want to ask when we come back. All these decisions we're talking about today, this one with the travel ban, and there are two other big ones that we're going to talk about, one being the one about the labor union and the, the um, agency dues, and one, the California law targeting pregnancy resource centers. I mean, it's very problematic that these were all five, four decisions, because at the core, the other two were really about the right of free speech, the right to to control what you not to have to donate money to a cause you don't want to believe in, to be forced to speak, to say things you don't believe in. This is what this was about. Five, four was a disgrace. Debbie George Jazz, America can we talk with Latham Watts. Come right back. America guarantees each eligible adult citizen the right to vote. The Public Interest Legal Foundation, a 501c3 public interest law firm, is dedicated entirely to election integrity, to assuring that voter rolls include names of only citizens eligible to vote, and that protections are in place to prevent voter fraud of all kinds. The Public Interest Legal Foundation discovered that more than 1,000 non-citizens enrolled to vote in Virginia in just eight counties, and in Philadelphia, felons as well as non-citizens are on the voter rolls. Non-citizens have been registering to vote and voting. The Public Interest Legal Foundation is fighting nationwide and in Texas to ensure that only Americans pick American leaders. We are actively litigating high-impact cases to clean up voter rolls and protect the ballot box. If you do not want your vote canceled out, visit publicinterestlegal.org to join us in the fight to restore integrity to American elections. Protect your vote. Visit publicinterestlegal.org today. Texans have a long tradition of independence, and we don't like being told what to do, especially by liberal bureaucrats 1,000 miles away. That's why for 30 years, the Dallas-based Institute for Policy Innovation has fought Washington's efforts to take more of your money and freedom. IPI works every day to keep taxes low and freedom high, to promote free market health care, expand energy security, protect intellectual property, and combat onerous regulations that destroy American jobs. Politicians often talk smaller government, but then vote for more of it. By contrast, IPI has never veered from its mission to defend the Constitution and fight for freedom. If you want to be informed about free market policies and solutions, go to IPI's website and sign up. All of their information is free for sharing. Help IPI restore liberty and economic growth. 
Go to IPI.org today. That's IPI.org. One more time, go to IPI.org today. Let me tell you about the group Vice President Mike Pence called the most effective grassroots pro-life organization in America. It's the Susan B. Anthony List, and they're the ones who are on Capitol Hill right now, day in, day out, to fight back against Planned Parenthood and the abortion industry. Every day in our nation, abortion takes more than 2,000 innocent lives, almost two every single minute of every single day. And Planned Parenthood is the largest abortion business in the country, committing one-third of all abortions. It's an unspeakable tragedy and a stain upon our nation and our humanity. And it's up to us to do something about it. This is your opportunity to join the team that's leading the charge to end abortion. Go to sba-list.org or Google Susan B. Anthony List now to learn more and start saving lives today. Do you know that one in nearly five United States residents lives in an immigrant household? That we take in more than one million new legal immigrants every year? Studying the impact of federal immigration program is the mission of the Center for Immigration Studies, the nation's only think tank looking at the broad national effect of immigration policy. Whether it's on crime, welfare, national security, or the job market, CIS digs out information about immigration from government sources, translates it into English, and makes it available to the public, the news media, and policymakers in Washington. Check out its work at CIS.org. CIS makes the case for better enforcement against illegal immigration and lower levels of legal immigration in the future. Most other special interest groups pursue the opposite. The only thing standing between them and open borders is an informed public. Get informed and stay informed by visiting CIS.org. That's CIS.org. And welcome back to America Can We Talk. We have in studio, as I mentioned before the break, Lathan Watts from First Liberty. He is here uh, he really is a great expert to have on these uh, this day talking about these profoundly important Supreme Court decisions that came out this past week. So um, the, the, another, another big case that came out, I'm going to go to the California case, uh, which was there was a California law targeting pregnancy resource centers. And in, in essence, and you may know that term, but if you don't, there are certainly many uh, Planned Parenthood and other uh, federally funded, state-funded groups that provide abortion services for unwanted pregnancies. Many people who support the pro-life side support organizations. They put the, under the umbrella of pregnancy resource centers. They're places you can go, young people or anyone experiencing unplanned un, um, unwanted pregnancy, and helping those people find a path forward, find a, uh, you know, understand they could find help from other from the community. They can encourage them to uh, carry this pregnancy to term to a counsel them on adoption agencies and adoption options and also provide all sorts of resources in their communities to help people um, understand there's just a way forward. And so California passed a law requiring pregnancy resource centers to post a notice that says essentially, by the way, you have a right to a taxpayer funded free abortion. Here's where's where to go. And also required them, if they weren't a medical facility, which most of them are not, to post a notice saying, we are not a medical facility. Well, since they're not providing medical services, 
I'm not sure whether they had to do that, but that was the question. Could the state of California force the speech of a pregnancy resource center and make them post a notice directing people how to get an abortion? So why don't you describe what the court's ruling was? Well, what the court said in uh, NIFLA versus um, Sarah was that they had applied, uh, the court said a lot of things in this opinion, Justice uh, Thomas um, really kind of uh, slapped the Ninth Circuit around a little bit. Um, they had invented this new category of speech called professional speech that is not entitled to the same amount of protection as, say, political speech or, or other types of speech. And he point blank told the Ninth Circuit, we have never recognized this invented category of professional speech. Therefore, you applied the wrong standard in evaluating this law and, and basically went on to say, even if even under the wrong standard that you applied, you got it wrong. And, you know, they the can't compel people to uh, to advertise on behalf of the state, uh, basically. And these pregnancy resource centers, as you mentioned, are uh, many of them are uh, are faith based. They're doing this out of absolutely, uh, you know, their deeply held convictions um, on the issue of life. And that comes from their religious views. And I think one of the most important things in this opinion was if you read Justice Kennedy's concurrence in the opinion, because this was 5-4, so he did join the other uh, conservatives on the court. His concurrence, if you if you read through it, he get down to the last paragraph. I'll probably miss a word or two, so I'm paraphrasing here. But he basically he says, uh, government must not be allowed to compel citizens to speak a message that conflicts with their deeply held beliefs or convictions. Now, that is the point that we really would have liked to have heard in the Masterpiece Cake Shop case. Yes. <laughs> he wouldn't go there, but he gave, he he made that argument in his concurrence in uh, the NIFLA case. So um, th- that was that, that was huge, and that's that concurrence, I, I predict, will be cited in many, many cases uh, going forward. Okay, I'm going to make a political point here. I, I, I love that summary, and it's exactly right. It was 5-4, and... Basically, the idea of freedom of speech includes the idea of not being compelled to say things you don't believe. That's part of freedom of speech. And a form of being compelled of speech includes money, includes, you know, it's like I can't myself force some issue to uh, be heard by Congress, but I can decide to donate money to an organization that will get that issue. So, the courts have long recognized that donation of money is a form of, of your speech. It's the way you get your speech heard is because you can donate money. And then, and so if, if you can't be coerced to make speech, you can't be coerced to make a donation you don't want to make, which is getting into the next case I want to hit. But I want to, on this pregnancy resource thing, this is what I'm talking about with the stridency of the American left as captured by the California legislature. They are so determined to push the left-wing advocacy for abortion as a right that they are going to force a faith-based group that is simply trying to provide people some alternative. And, you know, you young women who are frightened, of course, especially if they're underage and they're frightened about their life and their future and the idea of, you know, just a simple answer of, well, I'll just have an abortion and be over with is overwhelmingly, and it's, it's a 
fills the media, it fills how left-wing thought is. And so these pregnancy resource centers are already fighting uphill battle just to say, wait, 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 before you do something you can't reverse, let's just talk. Can, can we help you? Can you listen to what our choices are? Listen to what resources are out there. This is just a, a, a small voice in the wilderness against the massive push toward abortion from the American left. But this, even that, this idea of pregnancy resources not funded by the government, funded by donations of faith-based groups and individuals who are of faith, and even that just infuriates the left-wing mindset. <laughs> I mean, that is where this is coming from in California, the idea that these people might be encouraging young women to think about valuing life because they've tried to say it's not really life. It's an unborn child. It's not an unborn child. It's just a fetus. It's just a thing. It's just a whatever they say. And there's just a, um, I, I just think this, uh, the existence of this law of for, trying to force, it just speaks to the intolerance of the idea of someone valuing life. It does. And, you know, it's ironic that uh, they label their uh, arguments on this issue as being pro-choice. Well, they were clearly trying to limit the choices available uh, to certain women in California uh, by you know, forcing people to uh, basically advertise on behalf of the government's preferred position uh, when it comes to uh, the issue of abortion. Absolutely true. So this was another 5-4 decision. And again, do you, is there, on the, on the dissent side, was there something, I mean, did there anything palatable to you that there are reasonable to you in the, in the dissent in this case? Or maybe you didn't get a chance to read it close. Um, the dissent basically tried to say that this law is okay because it's the same thing as requiring informed consent for medical procedures. Well, I mean, informed consent is a, is a concept that goes back, you know, probably as long as we've had a professional practice of medicine. And that idea is that the patient is informed of the potential, if there's a risk to a procedure, that they that they make an informed decision. Um, <laughs> if that is yeah, that is nowhere near requiring someone to post um, in. I think if I remember right, forty eight point font, and in some of the counties it was going to be as many as like thirteen, fourteen languages. Uh, oh my in a, gosh! In a facility yeah. that says, "Hey, you know, the government will uh, give you an abortion for free." Um, I, I don't think that the government needs help advertising the fact that they will give you an abortion for free in California. And that is uh, what this opinion basically came down to. Yeah. That informed consent thing analogy, that is amazing because it is true. I'm actually in favor of informed consent. I mean, I think for, you know, in in medical procedures, they should tell you, you know, before this happens, you realize X, Y, Z or your risks, whatever. These are kind of common sense adult considerations. But if you're just, if you're just telling people giving them information about alternatives to abortion, what is it you have to inform them is that, I mean, nothing you're offering is going to have, you know, is going to, um, it's not that it doesn't have the same possible side effect. This could hurt you. You recognize if you were talking to them about life, you're talking about having a baby. I mean, that, that is what you're being warned against having the baby, I guess. Right. I'm not sure what the, what the risks um, involved there uh, were being argued. Okay. Well, you know what, folks, we're going to, this is it's just a big week. Uh, I mean, it's, it's July 4th week. It's uh, the week of sub- celebrating America's uh, Declaration of Independence. And 
as I always say, the Declaration of Independence, the second most important document in all world history after the Bible, talking about the idea of the rights of man simply because you were born. That's what the, the importance of and, and, and God-given rights. Okay, I'll just throw a little uh, tidbit out there for you. We're going to go off to a break, and we're going to come back and talk about another great Supreme Court case this week was about my back, my area of back, ex, ex, um, back expertise and background, labor law, but it related to um, public unions. But I'll just tell you the little math for fun. So the Supreme Anthony Kennedy retiring, he's 80. The conservatives on the court, Roberts, Thomas, Alito, and Gorsuch, if you average their ages out, if you add up their ages and average, they are on average 62 or almost 63 years old. The liberals, Ginsburg, Kagan, Sotomayor, and Breyer, they average 72 years old. So the, the liberals, the non-constitutionalists, are uh, a lot older than or significantly older than the conservatives, meaning that maybe we'll have more than one chance past Justice Kennedy's replacement to place another person in the Supreme Court and really get back the idea of the court enforcing the Constitution. Debbie George Addis, Lathan Watts, America Can We Talk, come right back. The right to freedom of speech, to be who you are and to speak your mind, is a foundational American value enshrined in the First Amendment to our Constitution. And nowhere is that value more important than on America's college campuses. But too often on our campuses, unpopular political opinions or religious beliefs are met with censorship or even violence instead of honest dialogue and discussion. And Texas colleges are no exception. Schools like the University of Texas at Austin, Sam Houston State University, and the University of North Texas all place burdensome restrictions on free speech. That's why the Foundation for Individual Rights in Education, FIRE, fights back against the censors to defend liberty on America's college campuses. Does your college or alma mater uphold our most cherished American value of freedom of speech? Find out by visiting thefire.org and consider lending FIRE your support could you lose your career because of your faith could your pastor be sued because of his sermons can students and teachers be punished because of what they believe about god can the government or even your employer force you to violate your beliefs get the answers and if necessary legal protection from first liberty institute First Liberty is the nation's largest legal organization dedicated exclusively to restoring religious freedom in America. In fact, First Liberty's nationwide network of top attorneys win over 90% of their cases. They've won at the Supreme Court all the way down to local schools. Visit firstliberty.org to learn more about how First Liberty is protecting religious freedom for all Americans in the workplace, public schools, your church, the military, and more. That's firstliberty.org. If you want hope for religious freedom and a free listing of your rights, go to FirstLiberty.org now. Do you dream of a better world? One where poverty and hunger are a thing of the past? What if you could make a real difference in the lives of those most in need? The solution to poverty is not handouts, but hope. The freedom and opportunity to use one's talents and resources for good. At Five Talents, we empower the poor to start their own small businesses. Five Talents works in some of the most difficult places in the world. With $85, you can help a new entrepreneur escape from poverty 
and build a sustainable business that helps her whole family. Can you think of anywhere else your gift can work that effectively? When you walk with five talents, you bring opportunity to those most in need. Join us in demonstrating the greatness of American generosity. Visit 5talents.org today to learn about the impact you can make. That's 5talents.org. F-I-V-E talents.org. Our military and veterans have served all of us, defending our nation whenever and wherever duty calls. But at home, when their families need support, they know they can turn to Operation Homefront for help. Operation Homefront provides military families with critical financial assistance, transitional and permanent housing, and family support programs throughout the year to help prevent their short-term needs from turning into long-term struggles. When you support Operation Homefront, your donation will make a real difference because 92% of their expenditures go directly towards programs that our military families need most. Each year, Operation Homefront serves thousands of military families, families in your community, helping wounded veterans transition to civilian life, helping military families pay overdue bills when their loved ones deploy overseas, and helping them through their short-term struggles. Make a difference today and help serve America's military families. Visit OperationHomefront.org. That's OperationHomefront.org. And welcome back to America Can We Talk. I must take time to thank the sponsor of this show. America Can We Talk is sponsored by GC Works, which is a Dallas-based company that performs research in advanced technology and delivers innovative approaches to the oil and gas industry. Could not do this show without them. Thank you, GC Works. And thank you for tuning in this wonderful July 4th. I love this holiday. I love the celebration of liberty. I love contemplating what liberty means. I love the idea that in America, every single person... Everyone listening and everyone you know, you have the opportunity to participate in preserving liberty. You do it in the way you speak about America. You do it in the way you advocate for, who you vote for, the issues you understand, the way you talk to your friends sitting on the beach, at your barbecue party, at your tennis club, in your church, in your Sunday school, advocating for the idea of America as an idea founded on the liberty and the freedom of the individual with God-given rights that government exists to protect. Okay, I'm off my soapbox. Anyway, this is why this... I love this holiday. Okay, so we have Lathan Watson studio. We're going to hit the last decision by the Supreme Court that was huge this week related to liberty and one of the, again, freedom of speech. And then I want him to tell you about the cases First Liberty has pending. Fabulous organization. Love supporting them. Okay, so the last case was involved a person who did not wish to have to pay, to be very precise, it's called agency fees. So if you're an employee of a government versus in a private company. If you're, you work in the assembly line at Ford and that's a private company, that's one set of rules. But if you're an employee, if a teacher is a great example, a very common example, people who are public employees are, can, can be legally have been ruled in a, a decision from 1977 that you could be forced to pay agency fees or kind of like union dues, except, you know, if you don't want to pay dues, you don't want to be a member because you don't like the union, but you want to be a teacher, but you don't want to pay the union, you could be forced to pay agency fees. And this challenge was, why should I even have to pay agency fees? Because I'm being compelled to speak. I give money to the union that argues for positions I don't agree with. And you made a great point before we came on about how the unique situation with public employees. Right. And that's uh, something to keep in mind here is this public employee unions. These are people that work for the government. And so 
their union dues, part of which go to political contributions to elected officials, that elected official is then theoretically the person on the other side of the collective bargaining table. And there have been many cases uh, since that 1977 decision that said you can collect these agency fees where they had been trying to figure out a way via court cases to say, well, you can you can collect these agency fees, but you've got to be able to differentiate it from the political contributions. And basically what Alito said was that can't be done when the person on the other side of the bargaining table is the recipient of those political donations. So we should just reverse, you know, the, the I forget the name of the case right now. But Abood. Reverse, there you go, reverse Abood and say you cannot uh, collect these agency fees because, again, it is compelling speech. Okay. I want to hit why this case matters so much. I love this kind of stuff. I know it's a little bit wonky, but it does matter. First Amendment says you can't, you know, that the free speech is protected. If you are forced to say something you don't agree with, then you don't really have free speech. If, you're for, if I were forced to contribute to a candidate with whom I disagreed or a political party with whom I disagreed, forced by the government to make a donation to something I disagree with is a violation of my free speech. I love that concept. The other aspect of this that is... Again, left wing versus left wing collectivist thought versus people who love freedom and liberty, which is on the American right, is unions are inherently collectivist. I mean, that is what they are. I, I mentioned in my book, Ladies Can We Talk, I you know, talked about before if you read when Russia was communist, when it was the Soviet Union, melded and written into their constitution was the importance of unions, that unions are part of the structure of the economy, part of how you deal with each other. Unions in America are legal. I don't think there should be public unions. I think they should be outlawed, but we have them. But the whole concept of it is the left-wing mindset is it's more important to buttress and support the collective. And if that means some goofball loses his chance, loses his free speech rights, so what? Because the collective matters more. The conservative, pro-individual, liberty speech, liberty viewpoint is you can't make people do speech they don't want to do. This is fundamentally inconsistent. And so the court coming around and agreeing that you can't be forced to pay agency fees, which, by the way, is going to be hugely expensive to unions. That's a whole other thing. But it's also going to be very problematic because then they're going to have to actually listen to their members more. The other consequence is the union may have to listen to the members and saying, who might say, stop donating to this, stop arguing this way, stop donating to this person or campaign. It's going to force them to listen. But one of the huge issues of this is, is the court came down on the side of the individual versus the collective, which is a really, really good thing. Okay, so you're with First Liberty. We have very little time left. We have seven minutes, and you have lots of cases. But <laughs> if you want to tell us some of that, I mean, I love First Liberty. Tell us some of the, the top cases you all are working on. Okay, so I will try to do this quickly, but... Um Folks can go to firstliberty.org and read uh, as much uh, detail as they want about these cases. There's lots of information there um, where you can uh, learn more about these. But we have uh, last week filed two uh, cert petitions to the Supreme Court. The first was on behalf of Coach Joe Kennedy, a former football coach in the Bremerton, Washington area. He was fired for taking a knee and saying a 15 to 30 second silent prayer after the football games. Um, In a public school. in, In a public school. Uh, so that's uh, the first case that we filed, uh, sir, with the Ninth Circuit ruled against him, shockingly. Uh, and uh, <laughs> the so Ninth Circuit. <laughs> so, in that opinion, they said that um, if he could be seen, then that's unconstitutional. 
if, 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 if a public school employee, if a government employee can be seen by anyone engaging in some sort of religious activity, that that violates the Establishment Clause by somehow establishing an official, an official religion. So our argument was that what Coach was doing was his own speech. He was not speaking on behalf of the school district. He was That was his uh, personal uh, free exercise of his religion. Uh, we've now filed a cert with the Supreme Court uh, to hopefully reverse the Ninth Circuit on that case. The second that we filed last week was on behalf of our client, the American Legion, um, to defend uh, the Bladensburg World War I Memorial in Bladensburg, Maryland, just outside of D.C., that has uh, sat there for almost 100 years, uh, memorializing 49 men of Prince George's County who did not return from World War I. American Humanist Association said that that uh, monument violates the Establishment Clause of the First Amendment because the monument is in the shape of a cross and it sits on government property. What's in the shape of a cross because that's the shape that these Gold Star mothers chose specifically because it resembled the actual gravestone their sons were buried under. And in the early 1900s, the chances, yeah. right, the chances of them actually being able to visit their son's actual grave were very, very slim. Uh, it sits on government property now because the government annexed the property when they were building a highway, a Veterans Memorial Highway, by the way. And even then, they went out of their way. The road literally curves around the monument not to disturb this monument. Fourth Circuit said, in oral argument, one of the judges asked, well, could we just chop the arms off the cross? And maybe that would make it okay. Uh, so we had filed cert to the uh, Supreme Court, hoping to reverse the Fourth Circuit. Okay, I want to go back to Coach Kennedy case because this is a great opportunity to talk about the First Amendment. Because, folks, again, it's Labor Day. I mean, it's, it's July Fourth. It's Independence Day. It is a week that we are celebrating the founding of America and the very First Amendment to the Constitution, which says, "I have it in front of me, so I don't miss it." Congress shall make no law respecting an establishment of religion or prohibiting the free exercise thereof, relevant to our discussion. So Coach Kennedy is saying he has the freedom to express his faith by kneeling and taking a knee at the end of a football game at a public football field, 15 seconds, praying silently, thanking God for his, I don't know what, you know, safety of the players, success, whatever, the blessing to get to be a coach, and um, and. The court ruling was that that his decision to express his faith that way was a problem with the Establishment Clause. And again, what the Establishment Clause is about is saying the First Amendment of the Constitution, saying Congress shall make no law respecting the establishment of religion, meaning Congress is not going to pass a law saying we're going to become, we're going to dedicate, uh, claim this particular religion is the religion of America. We're not going to create a state or a country-based religion. So the jurisprudence of the Supreme Court has gone so far in the direction of making sure there's no possible hint of establishment that a, a public school employee teacher can't pray because maybe someone will see him. So that's an establishment problem that they're willing to walk all over the notion of the free exercise of this coach. So it's, it's a balancing within the First Amendment too far in favor of fearing establishment. Is that- Definitely. And, you know, the the impact, uh, you think about this, if this isn't reversed, then a Jewish employee could not be seen wearing a yarmulke if you work for the government or a public school, a Catholic employee, if they sit in the lunchroom and made the symbol of the cross as they say a prayer over their lunch. As long as anybody can see it, that's unconstitutional, according to the Ninth Circuit. I just think even for the Ninth Circuit, this is kind of astonishing. It's like, it's like they were just so rapidly determined to not to, to shut this coach down. I'm going to tell you something else. The mindset of this, 
you know, the coach did this for years. Uh, nobody complained. In fact, it came to the attention of the school because someone praised him. Isn't that right? Or someone correct? It was it was a compliment um, paid to paid to coach that actually brought the matter to the school district's attention. And then they told him, "Well, you can't do that anymore." And I think part of what is just so it, this is uh, getting back in the political realm a bit, but what is so insightful about the left wing mindset is there is such a disdain in the in the radical left mindset for the idea of genuine faith that just this is irritates that they've told this guy stop praying stop letting people see you pray stop acting like it matters to you stop acting so like faith is so important and and he just he's not yelling at anybody he's not coercing anybody he just is doing what he and his story I happened to have read he committed to God he was going to thank him for this wonderful opportunity after every game but this is just really, it's, it's kind of a good case to keep in mind in this week of Independence, in this week of July 4th, do we really mean we have those liberties or not? And how far do they get to go? I mean, I exactly. Like- I, I know we're running out of time, but that's exactly what we do at, at First Liberty Institute. We defend people of all faiths. Uh, we defend the and restore the, the right of people to live according to their deeply held religious beliefs, whatever those religious beliefs are. So I would encourage people to go to our website, firstliberty.org. You can read a lot more about Coach Kennedy, about Bladensburg, about several other cases um, that, that we're currently engaged in. And Or if you need help, um, we're a 501C. We never charge our clients. You can contact us for, uh, for help if you feel like your First Amendment rights are uh, being violated. Lathan Watts, thank you so very much for coming in. Thank you to First Liberty. Folks, we're out of time. I just hate that. I have a lot more to say, but we'll have to be next week. This is Debbie George Jazz, America Can We Talk. Follow me on Twitter at Debbie Can We Talk. Check out our website. And if you're on Facebook watching this, we love your comments. Love hearing from you or email me at AmericaCanWeTalk, gmail.com. Thanks so much. Have a great July 4th. Thank you for listening to America Can We Talk with Debbie Georgiatis. To learn more or to contact Debbie, go to AmericaCanWeTalk.org. America Can We Talk, truth about America. America.